The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Duval, welcome into a special Saturday morning edition of the Jim Jag podcast. Had some uh, had some issues this week, technical issues, so we're we're recording on Saturday morning. But I'm Jordan DeLugo, joined as always by Jeremy Markoski. We will talk a bit about preseason week one. I know we're about a week away from that, so we'll kind of fly through the talk on that. But uh, we'll talk about everything that's going on with the Jaguars this week. Had to cut it down to 85, have the Trevor Lawrence, Gardner Minshew quarterback competition going on. Lots of stuff to talk about there, and we'll take a look forward at the matchup with the Saints on Monday Night Football to end preseason week two. Jeremy, how you doing, bud? Doing great. You know, uh, you said some technical difficulties. We had some AC go out. Uh, you know, I heard, you know, you got a, a pop tire. So sometimes, yes. you know, life just gets in the way. But we're here on a Saturday morning talking Jaguars football and can't ask for much more than that. Yeah, it's exciting. I don't think we've ever gotten together on a Saturday morning to talk uh, and do the podcast. Definitely a first, I think. But Yeah, not bad, though. I'm excited about it. Uh, check out JimJag.com to keep up with all the latest Jaguars news and analysis. And, of course, support Bold City Brewery. Make sure to check out their downtown location on East Bay Street and the original Riverside Tap Room on Roselle. Um. Preseason week one. Let's just jump right into it. Jags fell to the Browns. Everyone knows that. It was a pretty slow start on offense. And I don't mean necessarily from a production standpoint, but just like the team looked like they were just kind of going through the motions and moving pretty slow out there. Yeah, there wasn't a lot of fire. Uh, you know, there, there wasn't a lot of a lot of enthusiasm. It didn't seem like, you know, it, just, there wasn't a lot of push. There wasn't a lot of, you know, wanting to go out there and show that, you know, we've improved from a one in fifteen record. It was it was honestly kind of a letdown. You expected more. Now it is preseason. You know, you're you're not expecting, you know, a, a perfect game or or you know you know the, the team clicking on all cylinders. But you want to see something. You want to see you know some rhythm. You want to see some some ball movement down the field. Some things that you can move and forward with and, and grow on in the coming weeks. And just didn't see that from top to bottom. You had. A few nice moments here and there. Marvin Jones made a great catch. I believe it was in the first or second drive. Um, and, and, you know, some good things to take away from it for sure. But overall, just very underwhelming uh, from what you would expect to see um, with with the good things we've been hearing out of camp from this team all, all offseason. Yeah, and Urban Meyer kind of talked about it. Um, kind of threw Daryl Bevel under the bus without exactly throwing him under the bus. Uh Meyer wants to run some of their plays and wants to kind of script a game to start uh, in preseason, but he's being told by his coaching staff that that's not a good idea. They don't want to reveal their playbook and all that type of nonsense. I know that's more of a college mindset where we're in the pros now, but is running 15 plays uh, that are you know in your playbook, script in the beginning of the game, is that really going to give away uh, your entire plan on offense for the whole season? I don't think so. Yeah, I, I've never liked that thought to begin with. You know, coach out there, oh, we don't want to show things. I get you don't want to show things. You don't want to show, you know, your your special packages. You don't want to show your wildcat stuff. You don't want to show that kind of stuff. But your simple offense, there's no reason why we can't show some of that in the preseason. You want to keep some of the more complex stuff out of there. I get that. But it just seemed way too basic. That There wasn't a lot of progression. 
you know, do some things that are going to build some momentum and, and help you improve through this preseason because that's what you're looking to do. You need to be able to improve and be ready for week one. If they're not running the offense in a game scenario throughout the preseason, how do you think it's going to look any better week one if you haven't had the reps against another team, not your own team, in a game situation? So, I mean, that's really the only way to improve it, in my opinion. And I agree with Urban Meyer. I think that, yeah. that that's just an old narrative that needs to be thrown out. Yeah, I agree with you. And you don't have to like do this every preseason game. But moving forward, I think into week two, you got to see some more from the offense. A little bit more, uh, you know, just realistic play calling. Um, and I think you will in week two. And we'll talk about that a little bit more moving forward uh, when we talk about the Jag Saints preview. But the defensive side of the ball, they were having a lot of fun out there. They were actually showing uh, some of what they will show in the regular season. They were blitzing all over the place. They were uh, having Andre Sisco lined up pretty much everywhere. They have packages where he's at linebacker, you know, middle linebacker, weak side linebacker, strong side linebacker, lined up at the line of scrimmage, lined up in the slot, lined up at outside corner, obviously lined up at both safety spots. So seeing him on that defensive side of the ball, was uh, pretty exciting, honestly. Yeah, he's definitely one of the guys that we were both looking forward to seeing uh, as the dog just comes right over to me and starts <laughs> shaking all over the place. Uh, he's definitely one of the guys that we were both looking forward to seeing, and, and I think he's going to be a playmaker. And it's kind of interesting to see him use kind of like, you know, the Visca on defense. They had him, like you said, moving all over the place. Just shows his versatility. And a guy like that, you know, reminds me of a guy like Jamal Adams. Can just line up everywhere. And I'm not saying he's there yet, but if you can just play him anywhere and have him be productive – I mean, come on, Jamal Adams. I mean, he was in the backfield last year. He had like nine sacks. You know, it was all over the field with turnovers. That's the guy that Andre Cisco can be, and I can't wait to see that if he develops into that kind of player. I think he can be that, but with more uh, range and coverage ability down the field. So Even better. Um, yeah. And, you know, he might not develop into straight-up Jamal Adams when it comes to his ability to sack the quarterback, but I do think, like, your, your point is that he can be a movable chess piece on the defensive side of the ball. I think that's absolutely right. Hopefully we'll continue to see that this week. And Urban Meyer said he's absolutely uh, competing right now for a starting job. And I think from a talent standpoint, there's no question he should be the starter next to Rayshon Jenkins at safety. Uh, it's just about getting him to be you know, completely comfortable with the defense, which week one and throughout most of training camp, he's looked like – very comfortable. He knows where he's supposed to be. He's not like that rookie that uh, kind of just wanders around and doesn't really know where he's supposed to be. He's been assignment sound so far. So hopefully that continues for Cisco, who uh, missed most of last year as uh, as his final year in college with the ACL tear. So really good for him. Good to see him out there. Very exciting stuff. Um, Damian Wilson. We talked about it as it was happening last week, uh, the Joe Schobert trade. Um, Damian Wilson is going to be the Jaguars' starting middle linebacker next to Miles Jack. We saw him out there, um, didn't do anything in coverage. I don't think you're going to expect him to do anything in coverage, but he's a thumper. That's what his role is going to be. Yeah, and they also like uh, Shaq Quarterman a lot too. So, you know, as much as Joe Schobert was was a, a player in a great acquisition, it just goes to show you that these guys fit their system better, and, and I look to to see where Damian Wilson is different from Joe Schobert. You know, they said that he's more of a downhill physical linebacker, and I hope to see that going forward. Because if you make that move, you got to be sure that it's the right one. So we'll have to see if, if you know there, there's no uh, you know shot to the defense there. Yeah, you mentioned Quarterman; he's really turned it on. Um, I think. He might be better than Damian Wilson right now, uh, honestly. And I know Wilson has the experience, the Super Bowl uh, experience and all that good stuff. But Quarterman, he's looked like a better player to me so far. I think he has a little bit more versatility. I don't think he's going to come out and start over Damian Wilson, but I wouldn't be surprised to see him out there um, You know, at certain times during the season and potentially pushing Damian Wilson throughout the season. So I've uh, been very impressed by him the last couple of weeks. Um, CJ Henderson, after missing the scrimmage, we didn't know what was going on. He did get in the three days of practice before the preseason week one game. 
he went out there and he played a ton of snaps, got some impressive uh, pass breakups and looked really good. And uh, just to go from, we don't know if he's even going to be on this team to where he was in that preseason week one game against the Browns was just really impressive. Yeah, it just shows that you can't always, you know, look at things from the outside and, and have a clear view, or at least as clear of a view as you thought. And you know, we kind of talked about it last week. I, I was kind of, you know, not intrigued. That's not the right word, but I didn't really know where this was all coming from out of the blue, out of nowhere. Obviously, something inside that building was was not right, but – you know, he's never the most emotional guy. He's never the most rah-rah, fired-up guy. But when he's on the field, he's proved that he's talented. And so, you know, with all that stuff aside, you know, whatever's going on off the field, get out of your head because when you step on the field, you're a great player, and that's what we need to see from him more going forward. So it was encouraging to see that whatever he has going on, if it's anything, we don't even know, that he was able to, to just, you know, block it out of his mind, at least for the time being, and play some meaningful football. So you need that guy to be a guy, you know, you, that was a first round draft pick last year. I get it was a different regime, but it's, it's not something that you can just, you know, chop up and move on from. That's, that's creating a big hole, um, you know, in, in your team and, and on your defense, when you expect a guy like that drafted at such a high position to come in and be a baller. So I hope he can really, uh, you know, kind of turn heads and, and kind of, you know, shut the critics up. Yeah. And then Tyson Campbell, another high draft cornerback rookie this year, um, top pick of the second round. He looked very good uh, most of the night, and then he didn't. Uh, the Davion Davis touchdown in the end zone was literally like deja vu for Tyson Campbell. He had gotten scored on in college uh, against the Gators right there in that same exact spot, Florida, Georgia. And it it's something we've talked about on the podcast. I've talked about it a lot. He has never shown the ability to locate the ball and go up and make a play on it deep down the field. Don't get me wrong. This is a guy that is sticky in coverage and in the intermediate to short parts of the field, he's already shown as a Jaguar that he can be disruptive. Now we're looking at trying to develop that ability to make a play down the field. And you did not see that on Saturday night. Yeah, you know, you definitely got to be able to be as physical and be as sticky down the field as you are in in the short routes and in the short coverage and the intermediate coverage. But I think with the athleticism, the speed, the size, everything that he has, the ability to be such a sticky corner, especially uh, in the short game, that can translate. You know, he's going to be able to, to right these wrongs. And, you know, yeah, he doesn't have the greatest ball skills, but some of the best shutdown corners in the game have never had the greatest ball skills. Yeah, turnovers are coming at a premium, and, and I get that, but the name of the game is to make sure that guy doesn't catch the ball, and I think Tyson Campbell can do that. There was another cornerback here in Jacksonville a couple years ago who uh, was definitely touted as one of the best in the league, and he didn't have the greatest ball skills coming out of college either. So there is room for growth, and you see things that are promising that you can look at and say, okay, if we can do this and we can do that, and I think a lot of that is coachable with the ball skills, being able to turn your head around, notice when the receiver is is hinting to you that the ball is coming, being able to turn your hips and stay with a guy down the field, all that's coachable. So I think that can come, and he's got the physical assets to do it. So it's just about being able to correct your mistakes and and you know identifying what you can see on film and making sure you don't make the same mistake twice. Yeah, I'll need to see that uh, to believe it because I've just seen so many plays of him where he just he can't do it down the field, unfortunately. Uh, like you said, he has the physical ability to do that, to get better at it. But I've seen it so many times. I just, I need to see it to believe it. Um, on the offense, well, well, we'll stick with defense for a second. Okay, uh, the defensive line played out of their minds against the run. Uh, a lot of guys looked really good. The starters looked good there. Um, Jordan Smith played very well. The rookie fourth-round pick that the Jaguars traded up to get. Um you know, he's kind of an interesting player, super long, lanky, but he played physical against the run, and he got a pass breakup at the line of scrimmage, and I was really impressed with him. I was also very impressed with Aaron Patrick, one of the depth guys who probably won't make the team, but um, he was very stout against the run as well late in that game. But, yeah, the defense definitely deserves credit for their work against the run. Could not stop the screens, but that's normal here in Jacksonville, unfortunately. Hopefully they'll get that cleared up. Joe Cullen didn't seem concerned with it. Um, so 
hopefully they have a plan for improving against the screen game there. But on the offensive side of the ball, start with Trevor. What did you see? I saw poise in the pocket. It did not help that we were having immediate pressure. And, and you know, you want to, people want to say, oh, well, he had time to throw the ball. He had time to throw the ball. Got to get it out. That's not the case. I mean, yes, sometimes you got to take, you know, the, the throwaways and, and not take the sacks, but you cannot have that interior pressure coming that early. But I feel like through all of that, he still made some some great movement in the pocket. He stepped up, made a couple great throws. The throw to Marvin Jones on the right side of the field, I think going towards the north end zone in the first quarter was a beautiful throw. Uh, he put it up top where only Marvin could get it, uh, put him in a great position to catch that ball over the defender. And little things like that are the things that you look at and you say, wow, we haven't had that before. Blake Bortles would have hit that dude right in the back of the helmet. You know, just the pinpoint accuracy – it seemed that, you know, some of those throws, you know, he had a great throw on the out route to Marvin Jones as well, really could rope that ball out. That's not a throw Minshew can make consistently, I don't think, across the field on an out route with just the ease and, and, and the freaking laser that he put on Marvin Jones. You saw some good things. You saw some bad things. Uh, you know, got to hold on to the ball when we're in the pocket when we're going down. First play of the game, taking a sack, dropping the ball. Can't do that. Uh, but, you know, there, there's definitely room to improve. You saw some things that you liked for sure, his ability to, to move the ball somewhat, uh, but we got to convert on third down. Uh, and, I, and I think that he's got to get through his progressions a little bit quicker. Uh, can't look out uh, one, one guy for too long and, and can't, you know, really hold on to a receiver. We've got to get the ball out. If it's not there, throw it away, get it to a check down. A check down is not a loss. And so I think that's something that the team noticed as well, hence why they had those white stripes on the helmets at practice this week. And so that's going to be something that he's got to uh, grow and progress with as well uh, going forward. Yeah. And now that's a player that you have no reason to believe he won't grow and improve in that area. Cause you have seen it before in college. Yeah. He had a lot of time at Clemson, but he showed the ability to get through his reads. And I think he'll show that moving forward. I, I would be, I'd be surprised to not see him play better uh, in week two of the preseason, honestly. Yeah, I mean, it's just, and then, uh, it's just, it's just, oh, yeah, it's, it's just a different speed. And I think adjusting to that is going to be his biggest thing. But I think once he does adjust to it and learns the little nuances, like looking off a of safety or looking off linebackers off the ball, I mean, just things that he didn't have to do at Clemson because he had such pure natural talent. He was just better than everybody. But I think he'll get there. Yeah, I do too. Very hardworking young man. So no reason to doubt his, uh, his ability to improve there. Um, and just, uber talented uh lavisca chenault marvin jones both of those guys looked excellent uh obviously marvin did have the one bobble uh on third down that kind of led to him not being able to get that first down but he still caught the ball and he looked really good on every other play lavisca chenault they're getting the ball in his hands quickly and of course he was making guys miss running through tackles just looking like lavisca yeah super impressed with marvin jones i mean He's a veteran guy. He, he's going to be the leader. I think he might be that number one right now, uh, especially with the, it looks like the, the kind of chemistry and the clicking that him and Trevor Lawrence had. Well, Visca, this is a proven year for him as well. Uh, you know, this is a year where all those flashes that we saw last year, he needs to come out and build on that, especially now that he's fully healthy. We have no issues as far as we're concerned with injury or anything like that. Fully healthy. This guy's going to be a playmaker. and I cannot wait to see what he does. One thing I'd like to see more of is I'd like to see more of Colin Johnson. Just didn't see a lot of Colin Johnson. The dude's 6'6". You know, he, he's got a big body. He's got to be a big target. You've got to develop this receiver. You need at least one big body out there who's athletic, can high point a ball, and can go get you something, you know, over smaller DBs. And I don't know if it's him not performing well in practice or what it is, but they just don't seem to want to give him the reps. They love Phil Dorsett. They love Farrell Cooper. They love some of these other speedier guys, but they've got to get Colin Johnson on the field more. We need to see more from him because, you know, he, he's a guy that you expect to come out and make plays as well. And the flashes that we saw from him, especially late last year, there's no reason why he's not getting more reps or more looks on the offensive side of the ball. In training camp and practice, he has been getting – a fair share of work, I would say. So I'm not too concerned with that. But yeah, you would like to see him get more than one target uh, moving forward. Didn't see much of the running backs, James Robinson, Travis Etienne. Robinson was out there for the first drive or two. And he, when they gave him the ball, looked pretty good. He wasn't able to get that fourth and one. But that certainly wasn't his fault. 
Uh, ben Barch just wasn't able to get that block, and then uh, the defense kind of swarmed him. ETN only had one carry, one target. The target was just an awful pass by Minshew. Travis Etienne was wide open in the flat, had green grass for days in front of him. I'd like to, I don't want to see you given either running back a bunch of work in preseason, but you want to get Travis Etienne at least a few touches, maybe a handful of touches in week two. Yeah, the lack of usage for Etienne is, is really concerning. I mean, that's, that's a 25th overall draft pick this year when that pick is going to be so highly criticized. You've got an undrafted rookie running back coming off one of the greatest seasons, if not the greatest seasons, for an undrafted player at any position and definitely from the running back position. You have got to make sure that that was the right pick. There are so many other ways the team could have gone with needs, but they went running back. I get it. He's a weapon. He's got the chemistry with Trevor from Clemson, but you didn't show anything. You know, there's always been this narrative of, of you know, oh, they're using him as a wide receiver. They've got him, you know, doing pass catching drills and practice consistently. And at first, you know, I, I wanted to shove that all away. And I understand he's going to be a receiving back. He's got a little bit more of that flair than James Robinson does. But you don't want to hear any of the stuff about them bringing him in to play wide receiver or anything like that. You want to push that all away. But you didn't see anything out of the backfield. Now, I'm not saying you saw anything at wide receiver either. So I'm not pushing that narrative. I'm not saying that's what they're going to do. But it does concern you a little bit when he only gets one carry out of the backfield as a running back and a first round running back with that. Yeah. I think there's a fine line you have to walk in preseason because you don't want to give him too much work, but one carry is not enough. I think a handful of touches would be ideal for Travis Etienne in his first game. You want to get him acclimated to the NFL because Urban Meyer is not building He's not building for the future. He's building for right now, and he's going to want Travis Etienne to have a big role in this offense in year one, and he's going to try to win in year one. He's talked about it quite a bit. Um, So this isn't like some long-term rebuild. You need to get Travis Etienne going quickly. Hopefully they can do that in week two. On the offensive line, Jawan Taylor, I thought he struggled quite a bit. Uh, A.J. Can obviously gave up that um, pressure on the first play of the game that led to the sack. Uh, but he rebounded after that, and he really got after it in the run game. And then the only other really offensive lineman of note, Walker Little, he came in with the twos uh, strictly only at left tackle, and he played over 40 snaps, uh, only two pressures allowed. I think there's obviously some things he needs to improve in the pass protection department with his hand usage. Uh, Tony Baselli talked about that, but you could tell his hands were a little low. Urban Meyer talked about it as well, which led to him getting beat a couple times, but didn't give up a sack. And I was really impressed with him in the run game. His ability to get to the second level and make an impact there uh, was just awesome to see. Yeah, the offensive line overall did not impress for me. I, you know, I, I, I did not think that they had a great game overall you saw a few nice things but overall you know it, it just wasn't great and the biggest issue from last year was being consistent in the passing game we've seen at times this team be very dominant in the rushing attack we saw a little bit of it last year we know they can do that but can they put it together and be a well-rounded offensive line and like you mentioned right off the bat first play of the game we've got interior pressure that's not a linebacker or a dn you know beating a guy outside and having to take some time take an angle to get to the quarterback that's straight up up the middle your pocket is immediately collapsing and there's immediately pressure in your face and we cannot have that happen now yeah he rebounded nicely and had some great blocks in the run game aj can did i mean he was moving guys downfield uh, and you know he's a, a smaller stout guard um you know you don't really expect many guys to be able to get underneath him so that's good uh, and then yeah you know the tackles if they don't pick it up there's a guy coming for their spot and walker little but like you said like to see those hands up. That's the first thing when you come off the ball, get those hands up. At this level, if you hold those hands down and then you try to make contact after the fact when these defensive ends and these outside linebackers are already coming off the ball, they already have momentum going forward, you're not going to be able to get your hands up quick enough. It just doesn't happen in the NFL. You've got to come off the ball with your hands up ready to attack, and, and they mentioned it, and hopefully they'll work on it. But Walker Little is a big dude, and he is pushing both of those tackles for a job. If Jawan Taylor cannot improve, after his rough last year, if Cam Taylor, I'm sorry, Cam Taylor, Cam Robinson cannot improve, this guy's going to be pushing one of those guys for a job. Now, Cam Robinson's got the money. You don't franchise tag a guy and, and then bench him. So I think he's got a little bit more of a longer leash there. But 
I mean, if you just can't get it done up front, we've got to find somebody who can. Yeah, the the thing about this whole situation, I think Cam Robinson is playing much better football than Jawan Taylor right now, more consistent football. Um, but Walker Little, he only had about a week where he got cross-trained on the right side, and after that, they just put him back at left tackle, and he hasn't been doing anything over on the right side at all. So for me, I think if there's going to be a guy that needs to be replaced in the starting lineup at tackle, it's probably going to be Jawan Taylor. Uh, based on what we saw last year, what I've seen in training camp, what we saw in preseason week one. But Walker Little's not getting work on the right side, and it can be a big challenge to, uh, to you know, block on the other side of the ball because of the way you're set. So you're just doing everything exact opposite. So I would like to see him getting more work on the right side, but I'm not seeing it in practice, unfortunately. I definitely agree. It's a much tougher transition from for a left tackle to go to right tackle than it is for an interior guy. Yeah, it changes you know your steps a little bit. It changes your power side, but you know when you're playing tackle, those kick steps you got to be very coordinated with your steps, very coordinated to come off the ball, setting that pocket. So I understand that the transition is a lot more difficult, but you've got to be able to do it. You, you've got to be able to go both sides. I mean, that that's a well-rounded offensive lineman right there. A guy who can be strong with his right and strong with his left, no matter where he lines up on the line. So you'd like to see him, like you said, get more reps at both sides because either way, you know, Cam could potentially walk next year. And if Jawan doesn't play well, you know, right. you're going to have to replace him. So you've got to have him ready for both sides because right now, both tackles, the future is unclear and things are foggy. Yeah, it is unclear for the future, but I mean, I don't know if Jawan Taylor is going to survive this season. The way yeah, he's he might playing. not, right? Like, you know, you so you've got to you got to have that guy ready for that. You know, like you said, you you have to have him getting the reps on both sides uh, because he's definitely got the shorter leash of the two. Yeah, and then my final note here: uh, Urban Meyer is a speed freak. He just loves speed on the football field, and it's a big reason why he's able to win so much in college. Uh, some next-gen stats here. Tyson Campbell, he clocked the fastest uh, speed uh, of anyone in the NFL on punt coverage last week, which is good to see. Clay Brooks on his kick return that got called back. He hit the fastest speed of any kick returner. And then Chason was also among the top guys uh, after the snap uh, and his speed. So you're seeing some of that speed that Urban Meyer covets uh, all around the the team I think right that's now. something that we haven't had a lot of here in the past is speed. Just haven't had a lot of burners. I mean, Chris Claybrooks, when he was drafted, I mean, he was known for his speed, and, and that was really about it. You know, he's going to be a return specialist, um, and, and we need those kind of guys. But it just it, it feels different. I don't know if it's just me, but it, it just feels different. I don't feel like we've ever had the burners. We've never had the burners. We've never had the guys who are just going to go out there and physically just beat you with their speed off the ball. So you want to see some of that – translate into production on the offensive and defensive side of the ball. Tyson Campbell, you know, if we can learn to move our hips and, and make great cuts on the ball and breaks on the ball, he's a fast guy. He's going to get there. So, you know, you need to see some of that stuff transition into the game and not just special teams, but it's very, very exciting to see that you have guys that are, you know, actually being noticed and, and in the top of those rankings, whether it be for, like I said, the, the, the max speed on kickoff or punt or whatever, the Jaguars aren't ever up there. You don't ever have players that are listed, you know, in those lists of, of the fastest, the best, those kind of guys. So that needs to translate onto the field as well. Yeah, it certainly does. And I, I think this is showing that that it's going to happen. Um, hopefully they can continue to keep those speeds up, keep the head coach happy on that front for sure. Uh, we'll jump into the storylines that uh, we're following this week, but first like to remind you to check out genjag.com to gear up for the regular season. Uh, show the world where you're from. we got a big restock coming early next week, so be on the lookout for that uh, on our Instagram, at Generation Jaguar, Twitter, Facebook, all that good stuff. Uh, make sure to follow Jeremy on Twitter, at Jeremy Markowski, myself, at Jordan DeLugo, and Generation Jaguar on Twitter, at Generation Jag. They just wouldn't give us enough characters in the... Uh, and the username to get Generation Jaguar on there. So we're Generation Jag on Twitter. Check us out. If you enjoy the show, please leave us a review on the Apple Podcasts app. Greatly helps us reach more Jags fans, and that's the goal here of the podcast. Um, so storylines of the week. We'll start with the quarterback, and I'm doing air quotes right now, competition. Some people 
around the league, around the the media, around the country, they actually believe that this is a real competition. It's not. It's the worst kept secret in that building and in football. This is not a real competition. And for me, that is why the whole situation is so puzzling. Trevor Lawrence is superior in every way. It's not like you've got this veteran in Gardner Minshew who's able to uh, get through his reads better or run the offense better. Uh, Lawrence is better at getting through his reads, and he's better at staying in the pocket and actually running the plays that the Jaguars coaching staff have designed. Gardner Minshew's still just running around like he always does with his hair on fire trying to pick up some yardage on the ground or or you know make some Minshew magic he's not operating within the offense uh, and obviously Trevor is superior from a talent perspective as well so I don't get why Urban who says he would like the quarterback competition to end before preseason week three doesn't just make the call uh, like don't you want Trevor repping with the players he's actually going to play with once the regular season rolls around? see I don't have a problem with this and, and I don't understand why everyone else has a problem with this this is nothing new. This happens every year with a prospect coming in. I mean, the only person that's not happening to right now is, is Zach Wilson. That's because they literally don't have any other quarterback of, of notable name on that roster. So it's a little bit of a different situation. I just don't understand why everyone is so up in arms about this. And I, you know, I was on Twitter about this the other day. It just doesn't make any sense that we're so caught up in this narrative that Trevor's not the starter. There's no doubt in anybody's mind that Trevor will be the starter week one. So what's so why doesn't just he just coach say it? speak, man? You want to breed the competition. <laughs> you want to – and as much as you – dude, you, this happens all the way down to the high school level even. You are telling kids, hey, this is a competition. You know who, who the clear-cut guy is, but guys have to be hungry. Guys have to want it. It's different in the NFL. Trevor Lawrence was the number one overall draft pick. He's getting paid a ton of money. We know that he's better than Gardner Minshew in every way, shape, or form, but this is Urban Meyer coming from a college uh, a college background, hasn't been in the NFL yet, and he just wants to breed competition, and I have no problem with that. The only thing that I don't have a problem with, we talked about this last week, is if in a game situation, Trevor Lawrence went in with the twos. In practice, I couldn't care less. Yes, he's playing with the twos on the offensive line at times, but that's okay. In practice, they're not hitting the quarterback. He's not going to get hurt. There's no issues there. The twos that are playing wide receiver are guys that he's going to get a lot of reps with in the regular season because there is a rotation in that wide receiver room. So even those reps that he's getting with the twos are still beneficial for him. He's getting a lot of reps with the ones as well. So I'm not you know, concerned that there's going to be any lack of chemistry with him and DJ or him and Marvin or him and LaVisca. I have no issues about that. When it comes to game day, that's when you are going to have him run with the ones only. It's live. You make sure that offensive line is protecting him. But outside of that, I don't see an issue with it. Make him work for it. You know, make, make him. Th- it, he probably doesn't even think it's a competition. We know it's not, but at least put that narrative out there. It's fine. It's about breeding competition and just trying to have the guys be at their best. But we all know that week one, Gardner Minshew is going to be the starting quarterback. And I saw something on Twitter. I think it was um, from one of the 1010 guys, but ESPN was going through the quarterback competitions in camp on one of the broadcasts. They didn't mention Gardner Minshew and Trevor Lawrence. So we're not fooling anybody either. It's just the local media and, and you know, the local Jaguars Twitter. Now, there's people around the country, too, that are uh, talking about it. And those are the ones that are actually thinking that Meyer is being honest about the competition, which he's not. And to me, I just think cut the BS. Like, Trevor has won the job. It's clear. I understand doing this for the first couple weeks uh, and – and continuing it on, if Gardner Minshew actually does look like he's competing with Trevor, but he's not. You're not fooling anyone. I think you go ahead and get Trevor all the reps with the ones. Don't be running him out with the twos because it just doesn't make sense to do that, in my opinion. You are a football coach. I think you're talking about breeding competition. He has bred competition, but there is honestly no competition for this spot. At this point, I just think it's a little bit ridiculous. Uh, but we're just not going to agree on that. And I think one thing we can agree on, in a couple weeks, it's probably not going to matter. Yeah, it, it, it's not. It's, it's not even going to be close, but I, I don't know if you're if you're hinting at just it, it being a non-competition or the fact that the Jaguars might move Minshew, but it, it's already not. It doesn't matter right now. Again, we're not going to agree on that. It doesn't matter right now either, but the competition is set, and, and come week one, Trevor Lawrence will be on the field 
against the Houston Texans. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. No questions. Yeah. And if not, that's when we can revolt and burn the city down. Hell, burn the stadium down. If Urban Meyer wants to send Gardner <laughs> Minshew out with the ones week one against the Houston Texans. He's not, He's not going to do that. So we're not going to have to worry about it. Um, so Jags and Saints, they were actually planning on doing joint practices this week. Um Urban Meyer had talked with Sean Payton, who he's close with, Bill Belichick, about the value of the joint practices, but ultimately the COVID protocols and everything kind of just led them to not do it this year. I think they will do it down the road, but they're not doing it this year. Um, so that would have been interesting to see, obviously, but I think there is value in those, but I don't think it's a big deal either way, really. Um the Jaguars, Tuesday was cut day. They had to cut the roster down to 85. Tim Tebow, out of here. DJ Daniel, out of here. The rest of the guys that got waived um, have reverted to injured reserve. Defensive tackle Daniel Ross, wide receivers Tim Jones and Josh Imatorbebe. So the, the only real cuts here are Tebow and DJ Daniel. And I think it was pretty clear Tebow was the worst player on the field, unfortunately for him. Uh, you know, Urban gave him his shot. I don't think he deserved the shot, but he gave him his shot, and it didn't work out. DJ Daniel, I think, knows how to play the cornerback position well. He's a rookie out of Georgia, but he just does not have the speed to keep up with NFL receivers, and we saw that in, in training camp practice a yeah, little bit. Yeah, Jaguars also waived cornerback uh, Luke Barku um, after the fact as well. He was claimed uh, off waivers by the Cardinals, uh, so he'll be heading out. To Arizona, but yeah, the, the Tim Tebow saga is over. Did he deserve the shot? No. Did I have a problem with it? No. But it was very clear that once the pads came on and it was time to play another team, that this was not going to work. The tight end was a just an absolute disaster. Uh, he couldn't block anybody. I, mean, I don't think he registered a single target. It just it, you could tell that it was a guy out of position that wasn't going to be able to make that jump at 34 years old. Fullback probably would have been a much smarter and, and much better idea um, than that tight end. But I mean, just having him come in motion across the line and, and just trying to chip that linebacker and just rolling over into his legs. I mean, it was one of the weakest things I had ever seen, and it was going to be very, very difficult once that got out on film for Urban Meyer to keep Tim Tebow on this roster. So he made the right call. I know it was probably tough, but, you know, look, it made tons of money in jersey sales. We got people talking about the Jaguars again. You know, it, we're, we're back on ESPN and NFL Network, and, and people are talking about us, and it's building the brand. And I think the purpose that it did have for the time being was fulfilled. And I, and I think there's definitely some positives to him being here, and there were some positives to him being here, but it was time to call it quits on that. Yeah, it it was past time, beyond time. Uh, they never should have done it in the first place. There were some other tight ends out there that I thought made sense for them to try. Uh, you know, there was one on the team that made more sense, and they traded him away for a seventh-round pick. Now he's out in Baltimore looking like he's going to be uh, able to earn their tight end three spot behind two really good guys in Mark Andrews and Boyle. That's a little frustrating, but, you know, it's in the past. I do think it was a roster decision that was a mistake. Um, Josh Oliver is a talented guy. He had trouble staying healthy. Part of that wasn't even his fault. Andrew Winger tackled him from behind in a one-on-one -on -one drill during his rookie year. But I digress. Um, you mentioned Luke Barku was waived. <clears throat> undrafted cornerback last year, who the Jaguars were really high on. And um, for obvious reasons, he has some good length, athleticism, ball skills, but they waived him to get Daniel Thomas back on the roster after he was on the reserve slash COVID list. So now safety Daniel Thomas is going to be fighting for a spot on the roster. You probably thought a couple months ago that he would have been close to a lock as a guy that was a, uh, a draft pick last year, I believe fifth round pick. Um, and he Played reasonably well during his opportunities to get on the field as a rookie, and he's got the athleticism you're looking for. But uh, he's been on the reserve slash COVID list for a while, so now he's really behind the eight ball. Not sure if he's going to be able to recover and make the roster. So that'll be a storyline to watch for sure. Um, the interior of the offensive line is having some issues here. Uh, Brandon Linder has tendonitis. 
So he's not going to be playing for the next couple weeks. Andrew Norwell's still dealing with the elbow injury. He has been practicing. He hasn't been taking part in the uh, team portions of practice, but he's been out there practicing every day. Still has a protective brace on his elbow. And then AJ Can, who is vaccinated according to Urban Meyer, had a positive test yesterday, wasn't able to participate in practice. Meyer said they're hoping to get him back today if he's able to uh, test negative for COVID. He'll be able to come back and join the team to go to New Orleans. But if you're out three interior offensive linemen, that is pretty scary uh, when you talk about protecting. Yeah, Trevor. I mean, it just boils down to availability. You know, availability is the best ability, and, and it sucks, but our offensive line has, has never been fully available. Very rarely do we get to see everybody, all five, all at once. And Brandon Linder, I mean, for his entire career, as good as he has been, has been an injury liability year in, year out. I don't quote me on this, but I have to check it. But I don't know if he's ever even played a full season. Has he ever played a full season, made through all 16 games without being banged up, without being nicked up and, and missing a game? I, I really don't know. And just off the top of my head, I would want to say no. And I'll look that up here in a few minutes. But he's he's banged up. You. Norwell's banged up. Norwell was banged up since he's been here. Um, you know, Cam has been banged up in the past. I think Jawan Taylor has been the only one that hasn't had his, his fair share of injuries, but he's still young and has only been here for a year and we've seen cam go in and out and yeah it's just but, but that is so tough to have an offensive line that that unit has to be so tight and, and so in sync and, and the chemistry has to be there and when you got guys that are constantly rotated in and out that's tough to build and, and that's really a tough thing for this team i mean the offensive line has got to be better and it's one of the you know areas of, of the offense that we look to improve on this year, but it's really hard when you're not out there getting the reps and you don't have the guys together. So, you know, some of these other guys are going to have to step up. You know, Ben Barch is a guy that's going to have to step up. Will Richardson is a guy that's going to have to step up. Some of these guys that have been around for a year or two, even three years now at this point, are going to have to step up. We need depth. We need to trust yeah. that if these guys go down during the season, our best five go down at any time. We've got to have guys in there that aren't going to miss a beat. And the only guy I feel confident about with that right now is Tyler Shatley. Absolutely. I'm, I'm a big Tyler Shatley advocate as well. Uh, Brandon Linder, he missed nine games in 18, nine games in 2020. But in 2019, he did play all The 16. only season he had 16, and, all 16 uh, games played? Okay. Correct. And now it's common yeah. for offensive linemen to miss a game here or there. So he's played 15 games. 2015, he only played three games. Then he had 14 and 16, 13 and 17, then 18, the nine, uh, 2019, all 16, and then 2029 games. So he has missed a lot of time, obviously. Um, yeah, these young guys on the interior are going to have to step up. It, it looks like either like Trevor Wallace Sims or uh, Derwin Gray might have to be inserted into the starting lineup if AJ Can can't go. Hopefully they'll get him back, though, because he is vaccinated. So it seems like there's a pretty good chance that they will get him back. It was an inconclusive test that had to they had to keep him out because of that. So uh, DJ Chark, another guy who's been injured, he had the finger that they had to have surgery on. He's out there running and, uh, you know, taking part in practice, doing all his routes, but he's just not catching passes yet. So the good thing for DJ with all that is uh, – once he is fully healthy and able to catch passes, he should be in, in good shape and, and ready to go with his route running and everything else that goes into being Luckily enough for him, he's not behind on everything. You know, he, he was there for the majority of training camp uh, before the, the finger thing popped up. And he's been here before. So, you know, in, in the situation with Daniel Thomas, like you mentioned, being that far behind makes it really tough to catch up and make the team, especially at such a deep position. Uh, as the safety room is wide receiver is just as deep, but at least CJ target is not that far behind. Now, obviously, even if he was, he would be in no position to even be potentially getting cut in my opinion, but you, now you oh, need to see, not. you know, with, with, with the blip here in the middle of the preseason, can we get back? Can we get back into a rhythm? Can it be a quick transition back into playing full speed and being that guy that we think you can be because we can't have any setbacks now. It's your hand, it's your finger. That's a little concerning. You catch the ball with your hands, but you can't have any setbacks. This is a prove-it year for DJ Chark. When he comes back, when he's ready to go, we've got to see him get right back to where he was and be that guy that we all think he is. Any setbacks, any you know slow start to the season, anything like that is not only going to hinder this offense, 
but it's going to hinder his future here in Jacksonville. And I, I personally do not want that to happen. I think he's got the most upside out of any receiver in that room right now. And, and he's got to be that guy. We want to see him progress into that guy, but it's a tough start. If you, you know, are backed up and have a slow start, you know, two, three weeks into the season. Yeah, he might have the most potential. I think LaVisca Chenault would have something to say about that. But, uh, yeah, if if Chark isn't able to hit the ground running after he gets fully back, uh, they're just going to feed Visca and Marvin Jones, and I think they'll be perfectly okay with that because those guys have looked like complete studs so far. C.J. Henderson, we mentioned he played a lot in uh, preseason week one. He looked really good. He looks like he's already gotten himself back in the starting lineup after, you know, not being able to practice for a long time. Really impressive to me that he's already looking to compete for that starting job. And I, I think he's probably all but locked it up at this point opposite. Well, I mean, that's what you would expect. And that's what you would hope from, you know, a, a first round draft pick again for him as well. Now that we're back, it's time to go. And, and he's doing exactly what we just talked about with DJ Hart. He came back and he didn't miss a beat. It seemed like he was great in coverage and he had some great plays uh, on Saturday night. So you've got to see him build on that. Keep continuing to progress. He was behind the eight ball. He missed so much time on the COVID list, but he came back and just hopped right in. And that's exactly what you got to see from some of these other guys. So hopefully he can continue to progress, uh, continue to make improvements and continue to show you that he can be that standout guy. If you have Shaq Griffin, who we know can play, and C.J. Henderson proved that he can play, that's going to be a very, very dangerous one and two, and opposing quarterbacks are going to have a lot of time finding their guys open with those two on the ball. Yeah. Yeah, it could be very impressive because the talent's there. You just got to get it out of him consistently. Uh, Philip Dorsett's sighting, he made one of the best catches at camp this week. It was really impressive. Down the sideline, Trevor hit him in stride, but he had to uh, adjust to it a little bit and made a one-hand grab in stride and kept rolling. That was really impressive. And that's why Urban Meyer loves him. He's got the speed, and Lawrence has the arm to get it to him deep down the field when he is able to beat the defense. So uh, I don't know if I've mentioned it on the podcast. I think I might have last week. I just look at him as a three-point shooter. You know, not going to hit them all, but when he does, but it's Do you have space big. for that on this roster? In an already deep wide receiver room, that's the one thing that I keep having problems Look, with. It's not but, up to me. It's and up I, to but I'm saying that for an objective sake. <laughs> I, I, I think if, if if you keep Philip Dorsett, a guy who has done up to this point in his NFL career, which has been six or seven years now at this point, I believe, a whole lot of nothing besides be a speed guy. He did a little bit with a, New England. A whole lot of nothing bit. for the most part. I mean, yeah, he had a couple blips here and there, but we need that's not what we need right now. I don't need a guy that can give me you know one or two plays a season here and there, You know, a couple deep balls. That's all he's got. But you can't have that. You're a one in fifteen football team. We don't have the depth or the strength on the top of the depth chart to have these specialty guys, you know, just waiting in the wings that are eating up a roster space. If you keep Philip Dorsett, if you keep Farrell Cooper, Taven Austin, any of these outside guys that are on the fringe, that takes up a roster spot. Who are you going to in turn cut instead? Are you going to cut Jamal Agnew? No, because he's not considered a wide receiver. He's probably a special teams, but that takes an extra number off the board as well for you. So it really probably shrinks your wide receiver room down a little bit more. You can't keep seven guys if one of them is, is a special team or only, you know, so whose spot does he take? Does he take Colin Johnson's? That wouldn't bode well. That would not bode well. That is a big body, big target. Something that you don't have if you get rid of him. Everybody else is not a, a large, big body red zone threat. So I think you've got to weigh the pros with the cons here. Is he a complete receiver? No, Phil Dorsett is not a complete receiver. You have a couple of those guys out there who are complete receivers. Do you need, you know, the jack of all trades, you know, guys who can do it all, or do you need that one guy who's just going to be just a burner? I think LaVisca can beat guys deep. I think DJ Chart can beat guys deep. So I don't think it's necessarily as imperative for, for Philip Brissett to make this team. And I know they're getting the guaranteed money, which makes me a little nervous. It makes me think that he's almost locked in, but it just it doesn't it doesn't sound right yes. to me. It really doesn't. I don't like it. Yeah, I don't think he- I don't think he's on the fringe of the roster, like you said. Um, I like from our perspective, if we were making the roster, yes, he would be on the fringe. Absolutely, I think he's locked in as like a top five guy, probably top oh. four at this point. Um, unfortunately, and we'll see. Maybe Urban's right with the speed. Maybe he's going to know how to bring the best out of him. 
we haven't seen it to this point in his career, and we've rarely seen much from him on the practice field so far. But I think if you're just talking about the receivers here real, real quick, you know the top three. You think Colin Johnson's going to make it. You know Jamal Agnew's going to make it. Philip Dorsett, that's your six right there. Um, and then that just means you don't have room for Laquan Treadwell, probably, unless you're keeping seven. Uh, you might not have room, or you definitely won't have room for Tavon Austin or uh, Farrow Cooper, which both of those guys have done some nice things. Tavon Austin's been really good so far for the Jaguars, kind of like Laquan. Laquan Treadwell, different players, but both are guys that were former uh, first-round picks, kind of busted out, and then um, found their way to Jacksonville because of injuries in the receiver room. And they've both taken advantage of their opportunities, but I just don't know if they're going to be kept, and they're certainly not going to be kept over Philip Dorsett, regardless of what me and you, Jeremy, think about it. Urban Meyer loves him. <laughs> I keep forgetting about Laquan Treadwell, still. I, I cannot – for the life of me, remember that he's in that wide receiver room as well. But that's another guy. Another guy, in my opinion, or at least from what I've heard and seen, has done more in his limited time in camp than Philip Dorsett has had. Uh, no question. Everybody, for the most part, has. And it doesn't make sense. Some time. It doesn't. See, it doesn't make sense, man. <laughs> and Laquan Treadwell has. I mean, he. He. I. I personally think that he should be that 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 six guy. That that next guy up. If you keep six, like you said, you're not going to keep seven um, unless you cut. Me. Unless you get they unless could. you get tighter at the safety right. or cornerback position, because I don't think you don't really have. I think they're only going to keep yeah. three well, tight ends. Yeah, that that would be good as well. But and, but again, with Jamal Agnew taking up that quote unquote wide receiver spot because he's a special teamer, and they don't really have like a special designation, which I think would be interesting to have if you just had you know specialists, uh, you know, you could have like five specialists on top of the roster. But anyways, that's a different conversation. That really, if if you can find a way to pinch some other things down, maybe take away a cornerback or take away, you know, maybe maybe it is Chris Claybrooks because you've got Agnew back there now. Who's going to be that return specialist guy? Maybe you get rid of. I would too. The speed Claybrooks, but I'm not sure. That's the decision you got to make. Who gives you? Who's going to make more of an impact for you on the roster? Do we keep Claybrooks, who is probably only going to see special team snaps, or do instead? You cut him instead of cutting an extra wide receiver, and you keep a guy like Treadwell, keep a guy like Dorsett, stuff like that. So that I can see them balancing it out that way. But just Phil Dorsett has not shown it in camp. You've got guys out there that are making plays, and, and he's not one of those guys. But it just drives me crazy that effect. They're so dug in with him already. He has made a couple plays, but there are few and far between. Um, and when he has made them, they have been like, you know. Special. Highlight reel, like if that happened in a game, it's going to be on Sports right. Center all week type of plays. So I do see that. Uh, let's go ahead and start previewing Jag Saints. It's obviously preseason, so it's not like a real game preview like we would normally do. But we can talk about it. Um, what do you want to see here uh, as the Jags travel well, to New Orleans? Originally, I was going to say that I want to see the starters go a lot deeper into the game. Whoever starts that game, whether it be Trevor or Gardner, it better be Trevor first and second, first and foremost. And I think they alluded to that a little bit. You need to see them get into a rhythm, move the ball down the field, be productive, and, and carry that over multiple possessions. So I want to see them at least go the first half. I think this is going to be your dress rehearsal. Now that we only have three preseason games and then that bye week in the fourth week, I think this is, you know, the coaches are really going to make their cuts, I think, based off this game. Yeah, you're going to have some guys in week three that are probably are making the fringe. Uh, you know, the fringe roster and, and, you know, practice squad and stuff like that. But this is it right here. This is the evaluation week. Where is the offense? Open that playbook up a little bit. Like Urban said, show something. Don't show the special stuff, but there's nothing in your playbook outside of, you know, special formations and situational stuff that you shouldn't be able to show. Teams are going to get it on film regardless. You know, it's just something that you have got to do before the season starts is get these guys in a rhythm, get them up to game speed, and make sure that they're able to keep that going forward. So that's the first thing I want to see. The second thing I want to see is use ETN more. He's a first-round draft pick at running back. You cannot you know, not, not give him reps. You've got to go out there and give him reps. You made that pick. You've got to stand in it. So you got to see more of him. And then I want to see uh, the DBs play a little bit tighter in coverage this week. I feel like they slacked a little bit. Uh, against the Browns week one, I get it, but there was too much space off the ball. Those quick routes, the quick hitters were, were way too easy uh, of completions for Case Keenum and the Browns offense to start the game. And you want to see them tighten down that coverage. 
You want to see guys like CJ Henderson continue to make an impact. You want to see guys like Andre Sisko come out and build on a pretty solid preseason week one showing and, and you know, be that jackknife, be that guy that you can put anywhere and, and move him around and, and he can make plays on defense. I'd also like to see, uh, you know, more pass rush. Let's see what Caleb on chase on can do. You know, let's get those guys out there, really put them in a situation to pin their ears back, go get the quarterback. Cause that's going to be huge for us. Can we disrupt the quarterback this year? If we can disrupt the quarterback, I think our defensive line is vastly improved. We saw it last week. They're going to be able to stop the run. I think they're going to have, you know, they're probably going to have some issues here and there. It's going to happen, but they're not going to be given up as the dog comes back right next to me. Again, I apologize. <laughs> 200 yards a game, no you know, to opposing running backs. So can we couple that with, you know, getting some pressure on the quarterbacks when we get them and second and mediums and third and longs, all of those things together come through to make a winning football team. And, and we've got to see all of it pieced together at the same time. Um, and you probably won't see that until week one, but I want to see it for at least the first half. I want to see them play a complete and total first half on Monday. Yeah, earlier this week, I kind of talked about how if I was Urban, I would go, you know, balls to the wall in the first half with the offense and just try to get as much as I possibly could. I will, you know, kind of take a step back on that. Take If you go out there on the first two drives and Trevor leads you on a touchdown drive and maybe you get a field goal drive or just another drive where you move the ball. I could understand getting him out of there after that because you've seen now that he can do it. You, you've seen now that um, he's able to perform at this level, which you know he can, but you want to see it before regular season week one. So if you go out there and have a couple really good drives, I could see pulling him before the end of the first half. But yeah, if you're kind of looking early how you looked last week, you need to keep him in there uh, for a bit longer, in my opinion. Um, and obviously, you're hoping AJ can can go. Uh, I'm assuming Norwell will not go because he hasn't been practicing fully. Linder won't go. Uh, so that interior of the offensive line is going to be interesting. Um, the uh, During practice this week, towards the end of the week, the Jaguars did actually game plan for the Saints this week, so that is going to be different. They did not game plan for the Browns at all. So you saw some scout team reps on offense where they were emulating what the Saints will do on offense and on the defensive side of the ball. And you also had crowd noise pumped in uh, over the loudspeakers to kind of get Trevor in the offense used to that that loud noise that New Orleans is going to bring. I don't know how loud it's going to be in the preseason, but it is New Orleans, so I, I do think – they're going to have to deal with some crowd noise there. And I like that they were pumping in the crowd noise during practice. I like that they were actually game planning, running scout team stuff, uh, you know, for the, for these guys to get used to what the saints might be doing. Uh, so I think they'll have a better, they'll have a better plan going into this week than they did last week, to be quite honest. Uh, and I do think they're going to run some tempo on offense. So that's going to be, hopefully something that is much more entertaining on that side of yeah, the ball early on. Yeah, it's definitely a little disheartening to hear you say they didn't have a game plan for the Browns, but I mean, I understand it. You don't like to hear that, but I understand it. But like you mentioned right there at the end, tempo. I would love to see tempo. I would love to see the hurry up consistently. Not necessarily the hurry up, you know, we're not, but a no huddle style of offense. Let's, you know, get the plays from the sideline. Trevor relayed in. Let's get back up to the ball and keep going. Let's wear these defenses down. We've got the speed. We've got the you know the, the the playmakers. I think we've got a quarterback who's going to be able to really control that offense, get the ball out quick, move the ball down the field. You can wear teams down like that. Urban Meyer mentioned last week. You know, I'm used to having a hundred plays on offense. Well, buddy, this is the NFL. You've got fifty. You hurried up a little bit. Maybe you got sixty, seventy at times. We're seeing those numbers go up progressively as the game still continues to change a little bit. But you can maximize those numbers. Go in a couple drives and, and start moving and start and start you know getting you know quick snaps and, and, and not huddling up and, and getting things moving and tire these teams down. It's something that you don't see a lot in the NFL. And if you can take advantage of that and do it well, I think that's a big advantage for you. Yeah, I think so too. And um, on the other side of the ball, the Jags will be facing uh, famous Jameis Winston. He'll start the game. Uh, of course, Taysom Hill will also get in there. They haven't decided who's going to be their starter for this season, but it will be Jameis to start the game. So the first uh, first team defense will be dealing with the guy who has a live arm. He'll push the ball down the field, but he'll also potentially give the Jaguars an opportunity to create some turnovers and uh, 
and give Trevor potentially another competition that I don't think should be a competition. I won't get too much into it because it's it's the Saints, not the Jaguars. But you know, Jameis can play. This guy can play regardless of the turnovers. I understand that, but the talents there, it's still going to be a pretty good test for the Jaguars. Obviously it's going to be the best test they've seen so far, given that they didn't play Baker in week one. So definitely going to see, uh, you know, where the DBs stand. The saints definitely like to throw the ball down the field. Um, they like to spread you out. They have to do a lot of things on offense that, that the Browns don't do. You know, the Browns are very, Hey, let's line up. We're going to smack you in the mouth, go right at you. A lot of inside zone runs, uh, I formation, you know, a lot of that stuff, just power, power, power. The saints are a little bit more, like I said, spread out a little bit more, um, I guess, meticulous. And, and Sean Payton, you know, we all know how he is as an offensive guy. So it's going to be a big test. You know, can they completely conform to a whole different style uh, of offense? And, and can the defense continue to step up, make plays? And can those DBs stay with these Saints receivers? Obviously, you won't see Michael Thomas, but they've still got some speed out there. So it'll be interesting to see for sure. It's going to be a good test uh, of the preseason. Yeah, and a completely different test, like you said. Totally different offense than what they saw last week, where um, the Browns were kind of just taking what the defense gave them. The Saints will try to assert their will a little bit more passing the ball uh, than the Browns did, I think. So it'll be a a good test. Uh, I do agree Jameis has ability, but he'll also give you some chances to, to make him pay for being a little loose with the football, maybe... Uh, forcing it in places he shouldn't, um, you know, maybe, maybe Sean Payton's coached that out of him. I kind of doubt it because that's who he is. So it'll be fun to watch. And of course, we got a lot of Florida State fans, Jags fans. So getting to see Jameis is always, always a little bit more interesting when you're talking about uh, being in Jacksonville and uh, being in Florida. Uh, Malcolm Brown, he returns to New Orleans. He played with them the last couple of years, was a big part of their run defense. Now he's doing the same thing in Jacksonville. It'll be interesting to see if he's able to kind of make an impact or if there's any sort of booing or cheering from him. For hey, him where did Malcolm Brown go to college? Was it, oh, oh, I don't know why I was thinking Auburn. Texas. Doesn't matter. But anyways. Oh, yeah, man. he played oh, with Charlie Strong. Strong. I don't want to talk about Charlie Strong. But anyways, um, yeah, you know, like you mentioned <laughs> You know, it's 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 going to be cool to see him go back. I mean, when it was the last time the Jaguars had a guy go back to their team and, you know, cause a disruption, you know, be an impact player? I feel like it's always the other way around. I feel like the Jaguars are always letting guys go, and they're yeah. coming back and burning us. So please, for once, Malcolm Brown, can we go over there, cause some disruption, maybe handle the Saints a little bit? I mean, that would just feel good, wouldn't it? It would just feel good to have a guy go back to his old team and, and, and shove it in their face. Doesn't happen very yeah, often. That'd be awesome. And Brown has a chance to do it. I don't know how much he will play in this one, uh, but he obviously has a chance to do it. He's been very yeah. good for the Jaguars so far. Uh, now it, it could happen on the opposite side too. The Saints. I don't know if you saw it. They signed saw, Aldrick Rosa, Rojas. This yeah, week. I saw your tweet earlier. That, that, that's great. Classic. <laughs> Another competition that was very clearly not a competition, yeah. but. I don't – it's kickers. Kickers are a funny thing, dude, especially in the preseason. They just – teams just cycle kickers. I don't understand why. I don't understand why. They still, do they still have uh, – what's his name? Um, um, Lutz. Lutz, Lutz, yeah. Will Lutz. Right? And, and he's been pretty decent. As far as I know. I don't really remember. Right. So I, I don't he's understand what the shuffle, what the, what the, you know, the merry-go-round is with, with kickers in the offseason. It definitely is a little bit confusing, but let's hope that if anybody out there is putting a dagger in the Jaguars, let's hope it's not Aldrick Rosas, okay? Yeah. Oh, man. Hopefully he, for him, he can just stay on yeah, his right? feet if he gets Watch him draw like a 65-yard game. Um, game winner. Like, now we, we just... Yeah, he probably yeah, will. And Lambo will miss right a kick. <laughs> uh, but... Speaking of Lambeau, he did miss his only attempt last week. So he's a guy that he's been mostly, you know, the same guy that we've come to know and love during training camp so far. But still, he did miss his alone attempt last week. So you want to see him kind of right that wrong this week. He did hit all of his field goals yesterday in practice. or It might have been Thursday. One of the last two days when they did the team field goal situations, he nailed all of them. So that was good to see. Uh, the Saints also signed wide receiver Kevin White. So you're going to see a bunch of former first-round wide receiver busts uh, this week between the Jaguars and Saints when you got Treadwell, 
Tavon Austin and Kevin White. And uh, White was a big time, like size, speed, all that type of stuff. Had a huge year at West Virginia, his final season in college. Got into the first round, dealt with some injuries, inconsistencies, but he's got talent. So it'll be. Yeah, I didn't know Kevin White had any knees left, man. So, I mean, good for him. Hopefully he can yeah. uh, revive his career. But yeah, that, that dude had a tough go. Like you said, I mean, just I think injuries just derailed his career. Injuries, inconsistencies, never really got to get into the flow of the NFL. I mean, you see that a lot of times with guys, especially guys who are first round talent. I mean, we saw it here, I think, on our own with Dante Fowler. You know, tearing that ACL and like the first day of rookie minicamp. I mean, that's tough to come back to. First of all, structural damage to the knee is never anything that's just, you know, simple to come back from. And and when you're in the NFL and, and you fall behind, that gap, I mean, guys are getting better every single year. The game is getting better every single year. The prospects are getting better every single year. It continues to improve and it's really hard to catch up. I mean, you see that. Unfortunately, from a lot of guys who have gone down knee injuries, Kevin White, Dante Fowler, Robert Griffin, just you know a few in the past few years. So hopefully for him, uh, you know he can he can make some sort of uh, you know peace with himself and, and in the league. And I and I hope that you know, he has some success. But man, poor guy. I, like I said, <laughs> surprised he has any knee left. Yeah, that's all I got for Jack. No, Saints. I mean I'm you excited. I, I I hate that we're on on Monday, and you know we have two games within a span of seven days. And then no football for a whole another week. That's the only thing that bothers me. But I think it's very important that look, we're going to be on national television. They want to see Trevor. They want to see the improvements. They want to see what this team is. And I think it's really important for us to go out there and show them that. So that's my last take from it is just go out there and show everybody that we're not just going to be a rollover this year, not going to be a cupcake that we're improving. And I think it'll bode bode well and go a long way if we can go out on Monday night and put a good showing on national TV. Yeah, I think so, too. And I think Urban is desperate to do that. He was very unhappy with the way the offense looked in preseason week one. He's going to make sure he's doing everything he possibly can to for that to not happen again in week two. Uh, but that's going to do it for us. Uh, follow Jeremy on Twitter, at Jeremy Markowski. Myself, at Jordan DeLugo. Generation Jaguar, at Generation Jag. And, of course, check out GenJag.com for all the latest Jaguars news and analysis and to gear up for the season shout out to bold city brewery the one and only sponsor of the gin jag podcast enjoy preseason week two some monday night football enjoy your weekend and thanks for tuning in you know how to book flights and hotels all you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive that's why you need viator book guided tours activities excursions and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.